when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost no Stately plump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Andy Miller. A bane to comfort them, the Quaker librarian purred. And we have, have we not, those priceless pages of Wilhelm Meister, a great poet on a great brother poet, a hesitating soul taking arms against a sea of troubles, torn by conflicting doubts, as one sees in real life. He came a step a syncopace forward on Neat's leather creaking, and a step backward, a syncopace on the solemn floor. A noiseless attendant, setting open the door but slightly, made him a noiseless beck. Directly, said he, creaking to go, albeit lingering. The beautiful, ineffectual dreamer who comes to grief against hard facts. One always feels that Goethe's judgments are so true, true in the larger analysis. Twy creakingly analysis he carantoed off. Bald, most zealous by the door, he gave his large ear all to the attendant's words, heard them, and was gone. Two left. Monsieur de la Palisse, Stephen sneered, was alive fifteen minutes before his death. Have you found that those six brave medicals, John Eglinton asked with elder's gall, to write Paradise Lost at your dictation, the sorrows of Satan, he calls it. Smile. Smile, Cranley's smile. First he tickled her, then he patted her, then he passed the female catheter. For he was a medical. Jolly old medit, I feel you would need one more for Hamlet. Seven is dear to the mystic mind, the shining seven, W.B. calls them. Glitter-eyed, his rufous skull, close to his green-capped desk lamp, sought the face, bearded amid dark greener shadow, on alav, holy-eyed. He laughed low, a sizer's laugh of trinity, unanswered. Orchestral Satan, weeping many a rude, tears such as angels weep, et egli avia del culfato trombetta. He holds my follies hostage. Cranley's eleven true Wicklow men to free their silent. Gap-toothed Kathleen, her four beautiful green fields, the stranger in her house, and one more to hail him. Ave, Rabbi, the Tinahili Twelve. In the shadow of the glen, he cooeys for them. My soul's youth I gave him night by night. Godspeed, good hunting. Mulligan has my telegram. Folly, persist. Our young Irish bards, John Eglinton censured, 
have yet to create a figure which the world will set beside Saxon Shakespeare's Hamlet, though I admire him as old Ben did on this side idolatry. All these questions are purely academic, Russell oracled out of his shadow. I mean, whether Hamlet is Shakespeare or James I or Essex, clergyman's discussion of the historicity of Jesus. Art has to reveal to us ideas, formless spiritual essences. The supreme question about a work of art is out of how deep a life does it spring. The painting of Gustave Moreau is the painting of ideas. The deepest poetry of Shelley, the words of Hamlet, bring our mind into contact with the eternal wisdom, Plato's world of ideas. All the rest is the speculation of schoolboys for schoolboys. A.E. has been telling some Yankee interviewer, while tarnation strike me. The schoolmen were schoolboys first, Stephen said super politely. Aristotle was once Plato's schoolboy, and has remained so, one should hope, John Eglinton sedately said. One can see him, a model schoolboy, with his diploma under his arm. He laughed again at the now smiling, bearded face. Formless, spiritual. Father, word, and holy breath. All Father, the heavenly man. Hisos Christos, magician of the beautiful. The Logos who suffers in us at every moment. This verily is that. I am the fire upon the altar. I am the sacrificial butter. Dunlop, judge, the noblest Roman of them all, A.E. Arval, the name ineffable, in heaven height, K.H., their master, whose identity is no secret to adepts. Brothers of the Great White Lodge always watching to see if they can help. The Christ with the bride sister, moisture of light, born of an ensouled virgin, repentant Sophia, departed to the plain of Budai. The life esoteric is not for ordinary person. O.P. must work off bad karma first. Mrs. Cooper Oakley once glimpsed our very illustrious sister, H.P.B.'s Elemental. Oh, fie! Out, aunt! Pfui, teufel! You naughtn't to look, missus, so you naughtn't when a lady's is showing of her elemental. Mr. Best entered, tall, young, mild, light. He bore in his hand with grace a notebook, new, large, clean, bright. That model schoolboy, Stephen said, would find Hamlet's musings about the afterlife of his princely soul, the improbable, insignificant and undramatic monologue, as shallow as Plato's. John Eglinton, frowning, said, raxing wrath, Upon my word it makes my blood boil to hear anyone compare Aristotle with Plato. Which of the two, Stephen asked, would have banished me from his commonwealth? Unsheathe your dagger definition. Horseness is the whatness of all horse. Streams of tendency and eons they worship. God. Noise in the street. Very peripatetic. Space, what you damn well have to see. 
Through spaces smaller than red globules of man's blood, they creepy crawl after Blake's buttocks into eternity of which this vegetable world is but a shadow. Hold to the now, the here, through which all future plunges to the past. Mr. Best came forward, amiable, towards his colleague. Haynes is gone, he said. Is he? I was showing him Dubanville's book. He's quite enthusiastic, don't you know, about Hyde's love songs of Connacht. I couldn't bring him in to hear the discussion. He's gone to Gill's to buy it. Bound thee forth, my booklet, quick to greet the callous public. Writ, I ween, twas not my wish in lean, unlovely English. The peat smoke is going to his head, John Eglinton opined. We feel in England, penitent thief, gone. I smoked his backy, green twinkling stone, an emerald set in the ring of the sea. People do not know how dangerous love songs can be, the auric egg of Russell warned occultly. The movements which work revolutions in the world are born out of the dreams and visions in a peasant's heart on the hillside. For them, the earth is not an exploitable ground, but the living mother. The rarefied air of the academy and the arena produce the six-shilling novel, the music hall song. France produces the finest flower of corruption in Mallarmé, but the desirable life is revealed only to the poor of heart, the life of Homer's Fischians. From these words, Mr. Best turned an unoffending face to Stephen. Mallarmé, don't you know, he said, has written those wonderful prose poems Stephen McKenna used to read to me in Paris, the one about Hamlet. He says, You se promène, lisons au livre de lui-même, don't you know, reading the book of himself. He describes Hamlet given in a French town, don't you know, a provincial town. They advertised it. His free hand graciously wrote tiny signs in air. Hamlet, ooh, le distrait, pièce de Shakespeare. He repeated to John Eglinton's new gathered frown, pièce de Shakespeare, don't you know? It's so French, the French point of view, Hamlet, ooh. The absent-minded beggar, Stephen ended. John Eglinton laughed. Yes, I suppose it would be, he said. Excellent people, no doubt, but distressingly short-sighted in some matters. Sumptuous and stagnant exaggeration of murder. A deathsman of the soul, Robert Green called him, Stephen said. Not for nothing was he a butcher's son wielding the sledded pole-axe and spitting in his palm. Nine lives are taken off for his father's one, our father who art in purgatory. Khaki hamlets don't hesitate to shoot. The blood-bolted shambles in Act 5 is a forecast of the concentration camp sung by Mr Swinburne. Cranley, eyes mute orderly, following battles from afar. Whelps and dams of murderous foes whom none but we had spared. Between the Saxon smile and Yankee York, the devil and the deep sea. He will have it that Hamlet is a ghost story, John Eglinton said for Mr Best's behoof. Like the fat boy in Pickwick, he wants to make our flesh creep. 
list, list, oh list. My flesh hears him, creeping hears. If thou didst ever. What is a ghost? Stephen said with tingling energy. One who has faded into impalpability through death, through absence, through change of manners. Elizabethan London lay as far from Stratford as corrupt Paris lies from virgin Dublin. Who is the ghost from Limbo Petrum, returning to the world that has forgotten him? Who is King Hamlet? John Eglinton shifted his spare body, leaning back to judge. Lifted. It is this hour of a day in mid-June, Stephen said, begging with a swift glance their hearing. The flag is up on the playhouse by the bankside. The bear Sackerson growls in the pit near it, Paris Garden. Canvas climbers who sail with Drake chew their sausages among the groundlings. Local colour, work in all you know, make them accomplices. Shakespeare has left the Huguenot's house in Silver Street and walks by the Swan Mews along the riverbank, but he does not stay to feed the pen, chivying her game of signets towards the rushes. The Swan of Avon has other thoughts. Composition of place. Ignatius Loyola, make haste to help me. The play begins. A player comes on under the shadow, made up in the cast-off mail of a court buck, a well-set man with a bass voice. It is the ghost, the king, a king and no king. And the player is Shakespeare, who has studied Hamlet all the years of his life which were not vanity in order to play the part of the spectre. He speaks the words to Burbage, the young player who stands before him beyond the rack of cerecloth, calling him by a name. Hamlet, I am thy father's spirit bidding him list. To a son he speaks, the son of his soul, the prince, young Hamlet, and to the son of his body, Hamlet Shakespeare, who has died in Stratford, that his namesake may live forever. Is it possible that that player Shakespeare, a ghost by absence, and in the vesture of buried Denmark, a ghost by death, speaking his own words to his own son's name, had Hamlet Shakespeare lived, he would have been Prince Hamlet's twin. Is it possible, I want to know, or probable, that he did not draw or foresee the logical conclusion of those premises? You are the dispossessed son. I am the murdered father. Your mother is the guilty queen. Anne Shakespeare, born Hathaway? But this prying into the family life of a great man, Russell began impatiently. Art thou there, Troopany? Interesting only to the parish clerk. I mean, we have the plays. I mean, when we read the poetry of King Lear, what is it to us how the poet lived? As for living, our servants can do that for us. Villiers de Lille has said, peeping and prying into green room gossip of the day, the poet's drinking, the poet's debts. We have King Lear, and it is immortal. Mr. Best's face appealed to, agreed. Flow over them with your waves and with your waters. Mananan, Mananan, Maclear. How now, sirrah, that pound he lent you when you were hungry? 
Marry, I wanted it. Take thou this noble. Go to. You spent most of it in Georgina Johnson's bed, clergyman's daughter. Agonbite of inwit. Do you intend to pay it back? Oh, yes. When? Now? Well, no. When, then? I paid my way. I paid my way. Steady on. He's from Bayant Boyne Water. The northeast corner. You owe it. Wait. Five months. Molecules all change. I am other I now. Other I got pound. Buzz. Buzz. But I, entelechi, form of forms, am I by memory because under ever-changing forms. I that sinned and prayed and fasted. A child con me save from pandies. I, I and I. I, A, E, I, O, U. Do you mean to fly in the face of the tradition of three centuries? John Eglinton's carping voice asked. Her ghost, at least, has been laid forever. She died, for literature at least, before she was born. She died, Stephen retorted, 67 years after she was born. She saw him into and out of the world. She took his first embraces. She bore his children and she laid pennies on his eyes to keep his eyelids closed when he lay on his deathbed. Mother's deathbed. Candle. The sheeted mirror. Who brought me into this world lies there, bronze-lidded, under few cheap flowers. Liliata rutilantium. I wept alone. John Eglinton looked in the tangled glowworm of his lamp. The world believes that Shakespeare made a mistake, he said and got out of it as quickly and as best he could. Bosh, said Stephen rudely. A man of genius makes no mistakes. His errors are volitional and are the portals of discovery. <laughs>